Welcome to the Larry Lakers uh, Dribbling Chit Chat, show number three. It's great to be back. We've got plenty of uh, questions in the mailbags, and there's plenty on this week in the NBA for Lakers fans and for those who like a little bit of dribbling chit chat. The Lakers launch versus the champions. The season of the NBA will kick off with a big TV rating game. For those watching the telly though down under, there'll be no deli on the telly. What are they going to do when it comes to watching the World Cup down under? What a blow for the big fans of Delhi. The World Cup warms up though, both in basketball and in ladies soccer. Last night there was a great game. Went down to the wire, then it went the full overtime, then the full penalty shootout for Australia v France for Australia to advance into the final four. And it turns out, Giddy's dad could play. He could bang, he could bump. Giddy's dad was a player. Many of the modern day players had a parent who could play. Let's have a little look at Giddy's dad in a little bit of a retrospective on basketball. And the reason we do it, one of our listeners asked a question. Who are your all time nut truckers? We didn't know what that was to find out what it is and who they are and much, much more. Welcome to the Larry Lakers Dribbling Chit Chat Show. The Lakers launched the season versus the champions. That'll be a great kickoff for the season. The Lakers versus Denver. The questions have come up in recent years, how hard it is to repeat as NBA champions. Is it a sign that there's parity in the league, that they have to lose players, they can't keep everyone on these contracts? Bruce Brown, they lost him, and they've lost Jeff Green, but could that be replaced uh, by other players on the roster, such as increased output by the young man Christian Braun, pronounced Brown, so will the other Brown step up to replace Bruce Brown? Further to that, Christmas Day ratings. Very clever the league are at getting some of the best teams, or the teams people want to watch. It's not always the best record, but the best rating teams often get a game on Christmas Day in the United States. Works well for those down under, because that's often not Christmas Day here on the roster. So that works out well with the time difference, folks who like to watch a game, but don't want to give up all of their Christmas. But Christmas Day, highly rated in the States. So very cleverly, the league has put on the Lakers versus the Celtics. People will be tuning in for that because the Celtics were a top team last year. We want to know what's going on this year. And you would think these two teams, being so highly rated, would play all the time if that's a TV ratings game on Christmas Day. It's been 15 years, if you can believe it. It's the first time in 15 years that these two teams have played on Christmas Day. That'll be uh, one to watch for all of the fans. Christmas Day, we might be able to get it Boxing Day if you're one of our viewers down under. The World Cup continues to warm up. Um, We promoted on the YouTube a game against Slovenia versus the USA. That was played this morning, but it has um, ended up a little uh, disappointing, I guess, for those who wanted to see a tough game. The great uh, Luka Doncic, who we primed up as one who always loves to play for his country, didn't end up playing. He'd um, banged his knee in the warm-up game against Spain. It was only uh, precautionary, but he didn't play in the game. They edged away each quarter. 92, the USA, ran out against Slovenia. 
who were 62. But they've got some good games coming up. They play Spain, who are ranked uh, number two in the world, and they're going to do that within 24 hours. So that'll be tough to see how well this young team backs up for the USA. And then they'll finish five days later with a game against Greece. Um, for those who are wondering about our Lakers on Laker Watch, Austin Reeve uh, scored 10 points. Eight players uh, scored seven points, so the, the honours were well spread out amongst the team. But Halliburton and Reeves scored 10. The top scorer was Anthony Davis there. Sorry, not Anthony Davis. Anthony Edwards with 15 and eight players with seven points, as we said. So the second highest scorers, Halliburton and Reeves, shared the honours with 10 points each. Now, back to the old big story for those down under. No Delhi on the telly. There's three warm-up games for the Australians. They're playing Venezuela tomorrow, Brazil and South Sudan. So they're playing August 14, August 16 and 17. All the games will be in Melbourne. And uh, they had a 15-man squad. And they had to cut the squad down and the international FIBA rules to 13 for this game. And so... Um, Delhi will miss out. Uh, Matthew Delavadova, much loved player, feisty six foot three guard, ex Cleveland Cavaliers World Championship, got under the nose of a few people defensively, he'd get in a few sh uh, sort of scuffles, and uh, but just a, a hard worker who made his way into the NBA as a guard, one in that team there with LeBron James, didn't get many minutes during the the final final series but did get quite a few during the season and some of the earlier playoff rounds. Who could forget Delhi firing up for the Cleveland Cavaliers? Uh, interesting story. He um, didn't have a contract in recent years, came back to Australia, played, and then got picked up again by the Sacramento Kings for last year. I think he was injured, uh, had a hand injury down towards the um, playoffs in the first time in a long time that the great Sacramento Kings, I think they break one of the longest records for not being in the playoffs. So people ask, who's in the quad? We've got a, the squad. We've got a question here from uh, one of our listeners there, Riley, the surprise packet. He said, who then will be in the team if it's not Delhi? Xavier Cooks, the Sydney Kings most valuable player from the NBL, who ended up getting a contract with the Washington Wizards and playing a few games late last season and then has played in Summer League. Xavier Cooks will be playing his dad. I think it was Eric, was a great player for a lot of years there for the Illawarra Hawks in the NBL. Dyson Daniels, who plays with the Pelicans, he's in the team, a good defender again, quite rangy, quite a good wing player, what you want in the modern game. Dante Exum, the comeback story. And it's just speaking of people whose dads and, and people who are throwbacks for those who love a, a memory out of the archives, Dante's dad himself was a, a very classy player in Australia, always on the fringe of the the uh, feeder league um, that, that fed up to the NBL or the league just below the NBL, really classy player. And uh, Dante um, will make a comeback. He um, was highly drafted by the Utah Jazz and uh, a couple of injuries and towards the end of that contract did not get renewed there and ended up, I think got traded, ended up playing for Houston for a little while 
and found himself out of the NBA, but has worked and worked and made his way back through the European leagues where he's been impressive. And so a great story. Dante Exum is going to play for the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA, but he has played a good role. He was even in the team, the bronze medal team that won at the last Olympics, Australia's first ever medal. So often fourth, but never third. Australia finally cracked through. Dante Exum was part of that team. Now, Josh Giddy, highly regarded. Everyone talks about him in the NBA. It's taken a while. He's come up through our programs and everyone's wanted to see how he'd go or whether he'd be tough enough to play in those 82-game seasons of the NBA. He's now established with the Oklahoma City Thunder. So I think there'll be some pressure and high expectations from Australians for Josh Giddy, Chris Golding, who plays for Melbourne, a, a nice athlete, classy, uh, a, comes off a, a curl cut and will hit a beautiful three-point shot when he's hot. When he's not, he, he can be still a good defender, but he, he needs to be at attacking. And when once he's on, he's on. Look out. And Josh Green, who's playing with the Dallas Mavericks, has turned out to be a great defender and a very interesting three-point shooter, the sort of wing teams want these days. Big Joe Ingalls, slow-mo Joe, they used to call him there at Utah. Came back again, another player who was more or less traded and let go after injuries, but picked up by the Milwaukee Bucks. Didn't have a bad year there. Now, from the country music capital, Nick Kaye will also be playing. The man is from Tamworth, Australia. Again, he's a player, not in the NBA. I think there was a report, and I don't know, this guy's usually very good. Keith Smith on the NBA front office uh, suggested that Canada and Australia were two teams with uh, all of their roster from the NBA. Perhaps he meant the top 10 or the top five, but uh, Nick Kay, certainly a player who's not currently in the NBA. I'd love to see him in it, but he uh, plays overseas and uh, as, as some of our other players. Jock Landale, though, didn't he turn some heads just being able to put a body on uh, Nikola Jokic in the NBA uh, playoffs there with... Um, Phoenix, he is now with uh, Houston and Jock Landale, probably just about the only returning big, big centre for that team. Uh, Paddy Mills is in the lineup, played brilliantly for Australia, has had a few uh, transfer or trade uh, requests. He's right on that cusp of a um, mid level exception. And so that sort of $5 million area, if you're trying to put a couple of players together that another team would actually sort of be half interested in to make up the sort of salary, if you're just putting a, a lowly paid player in, you'd need so many of them that, that it would make the trade a little uh, out of whack. So Paddy Mills, um, a little unlucky that he has the sort of contract where he's been traded from the Brooklyn Nets and then traded again. So that poor Paddy hasn't got time to pack his bags and get to his new employer. But now he's with the Atlanta Hawks, and hopefully that goes well. He's the sort of player who could come on and surprise people with a, a, a few threes. He's got speed. He, he generally has to sprint off the ball and round cuts, around screens to generate a shot. But he's, he's um, all heart and um, enthusiasm, and the sort of pl player teams want to get can be, as we said, a real spark off the bench and given that they've got uh, a star in uh, Trey Young who is a three-point shooter 
a smallish guard himself. Maybe Paddy Mills could come on for a little bit of backup time there with Trey Young, but you'd unlikely be seeing them together. Dewop Reith returns uh, to the team. He's in the squad for the bronze medal in the Olympics, and he plays in the um, Serbian uh, league, I believe. And uh, again, a big center. Uh, tried out a few times, been in Summer League. I think he most recently might have been with Portland in Summer League. But he is another non-NBA player who is definitely on this roster. Matisse Thibel, now what a great gain. This guy was uh, honoured his agreement. A number of NBA players say, yes, I'll come back. I'll be there for the Olympics, the World Cup. And then we don't see them because... uh, I guess the pressure and the money and the sheer number of games they play, perhaps even the team might suggest you need to rest, we need you, where your employer. But um, Matisse Thibel honoured his uh, agreement to play for Australia in the bronze medal uh, winning team and we needed him. There was a, Even though he's famous for his defence, there was a couple of times where people couldn't get a shot off and Matisse Thibel hit a shot which people wouldn't expect in the NBA but he played uh, with a really important role for the Australians, and I think he was the real difference maker. All those times they'd been fourth, and uh, just to get over that hurdle to third and finally get that bronze medal, Matisse Thibault played a big role in that. Jack White, who's another Australian playing in the NBA but didn't see many minutes with Denver, has been traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Outside of that 13, in spots 14 and 15, of course, are the great Matthew Delavadeva, as we mentioned, not going to be on the 13 uh, playing roster for these games, or at least the first one. And that's a bit of a shock, given his fine pedigree in the NBA. And William McDowell-White. Now, this is a guy I would really like to see. Um, he's got the NBA-type height, 6'4", 6'5" point guard so a pretty big point guard in the terms of australian players and the nbl um has been in the g league uh, once or twice and as playing for the new zealand breakers and i think uh, one of our supporters with the sydney king said who stood out to you and was hoping it was xavier crooks but one of the people that stood out particularly in the first games of their final season was this uh, William McDowell-White, he's one to watch. FIBA World Cup will be played in the Philippines, Japan and Indonesia starting August the 25th. Now, we have a question from our mailbag. Our mailbag has been full of questions. Thank you for sending them in. Where can you send them? To thelarrylakers at gmail.com. Thelarrylakers at gmail.com. Now, jumping Jack at Foley, obviously, as we said, I think in a previous episode, uh, a man perhaps living in the horse territory, but I think rumours are he's a good rugby league player himself, and he's asked this question, threw me off a little bit at first. Who are your all-time nut truckers? He explains that in the physical game of rugby league played predominantly in Australia and England, a little bit in France and South Africa, a couple of attempts to get it going in the United States. I think they're going to Vegas later this year with four teams to try and get a bit of a following. And uh, I think the gambling is one of the ways that the league uh, makes money like many sports these days. 
But Jumping Jack says in the game, some of the most respected and valued players are the hardest working players who cart the ball up, the nut truckers who take the ball up, get smashed for very small territorial gain. They play two ways though, unlike the NFL, these players play both offence and defence. So these players will also uh, line up when the, at the end of that count of six tackles, a bit like the four downs and the ball changes over. These players have got to tackle their opposition and quite often these players top the tackle count as well. So who are your all-time nut truckers? Well, jumping Jack at Foley, I would go with your description. In terms of the Lakers, some of my all-time nut truckers are Kurt Rambis. He's a man who had to bump away and take on the big players for years and years. There's famous footage on our YouTube if you want to go and see it. Where uh, the NBA, I think if you Google uh, Kevin McHale, coat hangers, Kurt Rambis, the footage there, my wife watched it and said, oh, that's too much. You know, I can't watch it time and time again on the YouTube. But there's YouTube footage of this, how hard these players had to play back in the 80s. A man who overlapped with a little bit of that time was Mitch Kupchak, a guy who was a classy centre, I believe, but was hurt and came back from injuries to be a little bit of a hard man in some of those seasons there that overlapped with Kurt Rambis on the Lakers teams of the 80s, ended up being a general manager and is still a general manager, just no longer with the Lakers, and um, he's, he's one to watch. I, I think he's over there with the Charlotte Hornets. Now, AC Green... He, this is a very special person. He, he was a youngster at the time of those teams in the 80s, but he holds the record despite bumping and grinding and imagine being whacked in the ribs and pushed in the back and having to hold your ground and gain rebounds and hit the floor to die for a ball. 82 games a year, plus the finals, you might play 20 games, so maybe 100 games a year. AC Green, and that's playing it about three times a week, about every second or third night. It isn't that easy. And um, I know it's not rugby league or the NFL, but these guys, um, the bumping away takes a toll, and it was even tougher in the days of the 80s and 90s. But AC Green holds the record for 1,192 games consecutively played. So he's the Iron Man Award, AC Green, 1,192 consecutive games. Now, there's a Laker that uh, you've got to respect. Um, and I believe he's a three-time NBA champ. But just to show you the sort of work that goes unappreciated, unappreciated from all of these players, he was, uh, despite being a three-time NBA champ, he was only an, an all-star once in that entire career. So this, these are the sort of people I think you're asking me about, jumping jacket Foley. Um, Dennis Rodman only played for the Lakers uh, sporadically very late in his career. We didn't see a, a lot from him, but his figures might surprise you. We'll come to those in a minute. Dennis Rodman was a five-time NBA champion. Uh, and this, the, all of these guys tend to average less than 10 points. There's not much glory for these guys, but he had seven points. Often they've got to play with the 
the leading point scorers and do all the work and get the ball for them. But seven point average after all of his career and about 13 rebounds per game. So doing the hard work there, getting the ball for others, protecting the basket for others. Charles Oakley, 1,282 games, played for Chicago and New York. People that remember he's a tough man. Again, less than 10 points. 9.7 points a game, 9.5 rebounds. Now, jumping jack, to further answer your question, uh, a person like Dennis Rodman, um, rebounds, uh, he's won with the um, Detroit Pistons, and, and I think he's won two championships there. Then he won three there in the famous Chicago Bulls, the last three there in a row as made famous by some of the documentaries there on Netflix that a lot of fans can watch, particularly in the off-season when you're missing NBA basketball. Dennis Rodman, um, in uh, sorry, 98-99 season, coming from the Chicago Bulls, 97-98, read average 15 rebounds. The Lakers signed him up. And he, he didn't get to play the whole season. He missed bits. I think there was injuries. He still averaged 11.2 rebounds a game. And then he signed the following year, 99-2000, with the Dallas Mavericks. And here's something amazing. 14.3 rebounds a game. So the guy, a uh, workaholic, and uh, a little underappreciated, but maybe drew some attention to himself, at least in the um, the flamboyant years as he changed his hair, might have drawn some attention and therefore some appreciation of the position. Who would I go for as the modern era um, nut trucker, as um, Jumping Jack Foley has asked? Well, of the modern era, I'd have to go with Draymond Green. He's got the championships, four NBA championships. He's got eight all-defensive players. He's got Defensive Player of the Year. He's the sort of guy he led the league in steals in 2016-2017. This is the sort of guy we're talking about. Um, last year, these guys play a lot of games, 73 games. Again, less than 10 points, uh, 8 points a game. 7.2 rebounds, but six assists, a little different to the others and a little more appreciated. Um, Draymond's in that wage, around that $25 million. He's been extended for a contract of uh, years that'll probably go past the time he's playing at his best, but almost a superannuation payment from the Golden State Warriors. But Draymond Green is the sort of... He's appreciated a bit more, I think, possibly because he can pass the ball and uh, generate a little bit of offence there for the um, Golden State Warriors. He's been part of winning teams, so maybe a player uh, who's as good as that can um, demand a little more salary, and so that's a little different to the other players. I think he's uh, the fact he can put the ball on the floor, offer rebound, generate the fast break, can pass the ball, a number of assists, means I think he's uh, one of the more appreciated and at least uh, remunerated um, nut truckers, as you call them, Jumping Jack. Thanks for your question. What a good one it was. Jumping Jai at Fairbrow. Oh, no, hang on. He's changed it. It's Jumping Jai at the Retro Shoe Guy. 
Jumping Jai at the retro shoe guy. Tony, is there something that puts these players a bit closer to the edge of lunacy? Oh, Jumping Jai, I don't know if lunacy is uh, the exact word, but I think these guys might be closer to the edge of controversy. They've got to push the game to the limits. They've got to be willing to put themselves in harm's way at times. And that means that although it's supposed to be a non-contact sport, these guys are going to get into a little bit of contact. And even Draymond Green, as we know, ended up in a bit of a bust-up with a teammate who ended up being traded at the end of the season there in Jordan Poole. But a pre-season incident took them, I think, a lot to get over that. He's had run-ins, technical fouls. He's had cost his game where he's had to sit out even important playoff games because of the number of technical fouls he had accrued meant that he had to sit out a game uh, in terms of the league suspension and rules. So, yes, there's something jumping jai that puts these players a little close to the edge. I guess if you're playing on that front line in the trenches every day for 80 to 100 games a year, for so many years, um, you're going to eventually have to get into some conflict. And um, I guess that's the nature of Draymond. One of the differences may be that, uh, unlike some of the others, he seems to be uh, a little more appreciated and better remunerated. Draymond Green. The next question is whether there have been any uh, others um, that you would go to. And the question came up as to whether this sort of uh, play is uh, inherited. It came from Boom Boom at Bow, B-O-W, dot hen he might like the chickens or uh, something like that or he might be a rebounder himself boom boom at bohen he asks do you think blue collar play is learnt or inherited what a good question bohen um josh giddy's dad that brings me to one a throwback i thought we've got to go back especially with that australian connection we have Josh Giddy's dad could bang. He could go. Josh Giddy, his dad was Warwick Giddy, and what a, a champion he was. He played 15 years as a slightly undersized power forward, six foot five. He played for the Illawarra Hawks in the NBL, and most of his season, he played, most of his career, sorry, he played out at the Melbourne Tigers. So he's gone 15 years in the NBL banging away every night, taking the elbows, putting his body between the other players and the rebounds. He's two times uh, champion in that league, 93 and 97. So good was he as a sign of respect. His number six was retired by the Melbourne Tigers. If people think, oh, I've never heard of them, well, Andrew Gaze, that a lot of our American friends have heard of, played for Seton Hall, the uh, Washington Bullets, and then uh, came back uh, later in life. Popovich called him back to play for the San Antonio Spurs. Little unlucky right at the end of the sign-on season there, but I believe they're great friends. Steve Kerr signed up, and so I think the similarities in that three-point game meant that Steve Kerr and he, uh, jostling for minutes, and Steve Kerr tended to get a few more of those minutes in that season, but they won a championship. Andrew Gaze fondly recalls that, and he has a legit NBA championship season and championship ring, thanks to the San Antonio Spurs. But 
Giddy could bang, and 15 years in the trenches, something to respect. It's interesting, though, juxtaposition to uh, Josh, in that Josh's game is probably being praised for the finesse. He's a little taller, and he seems to be getting a little stronger each year, as I guess you'll have to, to play in the NBA. But uh, Josh, a game of uh, finesse and class, smart passing, nice little shots, um, in the right place so many times, reads the game so well, seems um, diametrically opposed to that sort of power forward, bump, bump, bump all day, the sort of work that his dad did so well. But something's inherited there on Bohan's question. Maybe basketball uh, runs in a lot of families, but sometimes the position seems to change. Maybe the game's changed, Bohan. Maybe the uh, modern game has uh, less of these uh, hard men needed and the three-pointer has probably got kids um, working on wing, wing, wing. It might be the emphasis of the modern game. More dribbling chit-chat. More dribbling chit-chat. It comes from the, the Dazzler. The Dazzler at Tigers Forever. Now, the Dazzler is sending a whole raft of questions on all sorts of sports, but let's stay with the one that's probably the most NBA-related today. The Dazzler asks, will Ben Simmons do anything this year? Will he even take a shot? And could a hypnotist help him? Well, I don't know about a hypnotist, Daryl. We'll get to that in, in a minute. But I, um, every off-season, Daryl, as you know, this is the off-season, and uh, every off-season seems to bring new hope for Ben Simmons watchers. Ben Simmons, yeah, there's footage of him every off-season, shooting three-pointers, something you've never seen him do in the season running around with teams in sort of pro-am leagues, looking very good, very fit, uh, taking threes, hitting jump shots, and uh, all working out and being fitter than ever. And new hope springs, but then the season seems to let us down. Uh, Will he take a shot? Mm. Daryl, I think let's forget the shots. Uh, Brooklyn, just like every off-season, reports he's 100% fit, He had a back injury in the past. He's had back surgery. Obviously, you're suggesting there with the hypnotist, uh, the mental health has got to um, improve. This could be the year. Let's hope it is big dazzler. But uh, I think forget this, all this focus on the shot. Let's just get on the field, on the court, run around, play, do what you do well, defend, grab the ball and get going, forget what your position is, but perhaps be willing to play a little more as a forward. Maybe the hypnotist could just go, you are Draymond Green, you are Draymond Green, you are Draymond Green. And look, you can get the board and go and initiate offense the way Draymond does as a good defender and a person he can rebound and he can just take off in transition from that defensive rebound better than a lot of players can. He's 26 He has two years at nearly $78 million left on a five-year deal of $177 million. Brooklyn are probably happy they haven't got the whole $177 at this stage. Maybe he'll surprise us that he signed it um, back in 2019. So do I think they could trade him? I'm not sure anyone would uh, be keen on the whole two years, but that's why I think the best way is to get out and play. Just play, play, play. 
and relax. I think they've surrounded him with some shooters there. So uh, Cam Johnson is an example. Get him on the pat on the field or the court, as we say, and just try and relax that back and play and let just get the fluidity of the game going if we can. I think's the answer there. Dazzler and maybe someone would be interested in that contract as an expiring contract in its last year. So it may be another year until Brooklyn if they're able to trade him. It's the mix of contracts you're getting back that would be probably the, the hold-up for Brooklyn, whether they're trying to um, be at that 7th, 8th position and, and, and improve up to that sort of 5, 6, even attack position number 4 for the playoffs. But if you're trying to move forward, you can't really afford to take a parcel of contracts, some of which might run longer than his, and that would be the reason a team might be attracted in training for him, even though it's a large contract expiring. If they had some that were a bit of a mixed bag, I think they'd try and parcel together players where some of those contracts were going a bit longer, and those going a bit longer might not be that attractive to Brooklyn. So the best answer, Dazzler, is get on the court Forget the shot and just play, please. A question from another uh, viewer, listener, who says, enjoying the YouTubes and the podcast. Thank you very much to a young man. His uh, handle is Seizure Salad. I believe he's got his own podcast. So what an what a impressive young man. He's put together a, a question well. He's posted it very well and said, uh, please give my podcast a bit of a listen to, and uh, very impressive, Seizure Salad. Will Austin Reeves ever play in the finals, Tony? Good question. I think in the immediate uh, sort of part of his contract, he's got an extension there for three years, I think with a fourth-year option. He's averaging about, his number's 15 on his singlet, and that's about what he's averaging, about $15 million a year. Some said uh, they could have maybe uh, locked the Lakers in and got an offer from another team and forced them to match it. Up there, uh, maybe four for 100 and at $25 million, which really would have squeezed the Lakers. But to put those offers in, um, you've got to leave them there. You can't go and spend that money while that offer's still on the table. So during that part of the season, the Lakers might have been a bit lucky that uh, they're able to get him back on what they think is reasonable money. It's a nice pay jump for Austin, but it helps the Lakers have enough room to sort of get um, three players at that 15, 16 million, which uh, help replace someone like um, Russell Westbrook. Three players instead of Russell, three at that uh, 15, 16. That's a nice way to... um, get things going and uh, make a, a better balanced team, both financially and in terms of position. I think they're talking about this being a better balanced team, the Lakers, this year. I think they're better balanced um, financially and in position. But as you know, I, they're still um, the position of power forward. I'd like one more player. Caesar Salad, let's get back to your question. I think Austin Reeves could play in the finals. If it's this year, it'll be because of LeBron the way they've had to uh, make the most of LeBron's contract running out and they want to get win-now players. And if they're taking that win-now approach because of LeBron, that could be the way he gets into the finals. They'll have to be lucky. They're still, despite the improvement, they're still sort of uh, top four on the Western Conference side, I think. And that means top eight. So they've got to get through 
those final couple of playoffs just to get there. So getting into the actual finals, it'll be tough. Uh, I think they're there they're or thereabouts. They're just outside that group. And something will have to click with so many new players. The chemistry would have to click together and go on a little run. They need another click like some luck with injuries. Uh, seizure salads so they'd need LeBron and Anthony Davis to have a pretty good year injury wise and the other players to click then I think your question is a really interesting one in that we'd be going past the obvious we'd be going into the time where the Lakers are either going to um, renew LeBron will LeBron take less which seems unlikely and money to stay Uh, is it possible there'd be some sort of um, hanky-panky or some sort of uh, shenanigans or strategy to um, get Bronny, LeBron's son, who uh, it seems to be well after a heart uh, scare. We hope everything goes well there for Bronny and his future. But um, he, um, if he is uh, drafted in the first round, does that put the Lakers under pressure to trade for him? Or does it mean LeBron wants to go and play at that team? Uh, If he's in the second round, is that trade a little bit uh, more attractive to the Lakers or will some team try and outsmart them? Outsmart Polinka with uh, a whole lot of requests just to get uh, Bronny. Or would they be a little bit better off if he didn't get drafted and then sign him uh, to a two-way contract just like Austin Reeves himself? So, gee, it's an interesting question you've got. Or... If LeBron ends up not being on the team and that Bronny question, Austin Reeves could still be around. Is he then a player they're looking to trade or is he a player they're looking to put together a win-now team even post-LeBron? Would there be a letdown or are they trying to manoeuvre to transition and stay competitive? So they're the two ends, aren't they? Seizure salad. Win-now with LeBron using a win-now strategy How do they bounce back extending LeBron? Is there a gear change where he comes down a bit in the wage so they can get an attractive roster, competitive roster? Or is it going to be a different lineup that Austin Reeves is with and ends up in the finals with a younger lineup? Would Anthony Davis still be there and a different cast? And they've kept uh, Austin and he's maybe even proved even further to be a um, bigger cog in that machine of a championship team. Cam.ron. Cam.ron at three names. Into the mailbag. Cam.ron at three names. Do you think LeBron is on the decline this year? (sighs) This year, um, it's going to be interesting. It's a great question. It's one you could do an entire show, maybe an entire podcast series on or documentary, Cam.ron at three names. Great question. Do you think LeBron is on the decline this year? These figures last year for season 20, 28 points, eight rebounds, seven assists at age 38. He's doing stuff no one else is doing. But, look, I think when you look at the games and if you take the time to watch them, some of those stats might be a little bit um, a little bit misleading or a little bit um, 
hollow in, in some bits. And look, we don't want to criticise LeBron. He's doing more than any of us have before. But the signs are there that uh, LeBron, um, the number of times I watch games and it looked like he was blocked in the paint. And if he wasn't blocked and the stats didn't show he was blocked, he seemed to turn it over or just the shot looked a little fragile or a little shaky as he was going in the paint to finish over the top of someone. He turned it over near those finishes a bit more, I thought. He looks more likely to get a charge called against him than taking one these days. He looks like he's going to bully ball his way to the hoop and he hasn't got his shoulder around his man. He hasn't quite turned the corner. It's more difficult for him to turn the corner than before. Uh, he seems to get stuck with the ball late in the uh, shot clock, uh, which isn't, isn't that great these days for the Lakers and can be a bit frustrating when you're uh, watching the game. And But there's two points that are in LeBron's favour. No one's ever done this before, um, and he's going into new territory. Players have played to this age, but not with this output. LeBron is LeBron. He's going. He's a, a freak in terms of all of this uh, talent and management. He seems to have focused on this right over his uh, career. They say he spends a million dollars in the recent years, a million dollars a season, on just maintaining his health. So he's taking us into new terrain, into into new planets, and uh, exploring the universe of uh, player longevity in basketball, especially bumping around as much as he has to. Uh, he's not just catching and shooting a three-pointer. But um, I wonder, uh, the other point he's got in his favour is we don't know how much of those late games where he did get caught a little bit with the ball. If there's any excuse, is it that he said to have had a foot tendon injury and he said he was going to have to stop playing, but he was able to make a comeback because he found the LeBron, the doctor, who he called the LeBron of feet. Now, if the LeBron of feet can get um, LeBron James back on the paddock, uh, back on the court uh, for a better season, if that really is a legit claim that it wasn't ageing, it was the foot tendon that was affecting his uh, late half of the season where he couldn't take a game over like Jimmy Butler. Looked dangerous the whole time. You lived in fear that Jimmy Butler might take over a game the way you used to worry that LeBron might take over a game and just take a Cleveland team. Some of those Cleveland teams he took to the final in his first time with Cleveland, he just took over games and took them there. But uh, I don't know if that's going to happen let's see if there was an excuse was it the foot and the tendon and everything's going to be back whilst we're on lebron a similar question from our mailbag we better make this one the last one as this might be getting a little long for a podcast there but similarly here's a question from mick at mick the inca doubts palinka mick at the inca who doubts palinka Oh, Mick, there's fans out there, many fans who also share your doubts. Giving him some, uh, giving him some rope this year because of the uh, moves he made in the second half of the season last year. 
there's a few people waiting and just wondering what he's going to do with those last two spots. That could be many episodes in itself. We won't go on and on about that, but Mick questioned LeBron's entire resume. Look, Mick, I'm not sure. He's suggesting that the times he's gone well, it's been another person who's needed the ball at crunch time, like your Kyrie Irvings or some sort of guard in that role. Um, Dwayne Wayne. Look, I'll be interested in having a look at that stats, but I think that's a sh- one for another show. Mick at uh, the Inca who doubts Palinka. Um, we look forward to getting people to chip something in, please, into the mailbag. Watch us on the YouTubes. Um, try and get onto the podcast if you can. It's on Spotify and all good uh, podcasters, Amazon, Apple iTunes, and most of the rest of the platforms. Please, please hit like on the YouTubes. Uh, hit it on the podcast. Subscribe, please, to the pods. Give us a review if those things come up. But send something in to the Larry Lakers at Gmail. We hope you found an entertaining show. And until next time, we look forward to uh, hearing from you and the dribbling chit chat that comes from you guys has been top notch and please send some more until next time thank you